Hello, everyone. I'm Jamie Flinchball, host of the People Solve Problems podcast. I'm here with uh, Zach Zachariah uh, from Lehigh University. Uh, Zach is the um, Associate Professor of Supply Chain Management at Lehigh University. Those that know me know that I talk about Lehigh occasionally um, as an alum. He's uh, also the Interim Department Chair of the uh, Decision and Technology Analytics uh, Department, which is a very cool title and director of the Center for Supply Chain Research at Lehigh. So uh, lots of different titles, <laughs> uh, lots of different roles. So we'll, we'll talk about that as it applies to problem solving. So Zach, how are you doing? Oh, very nice. Thank you very much, Jamie, for inviting me on this podcast. I, I appreciate the opportunity. Glad to do it. So um, I, I want to kind of talk about your roles because your roles, not just your titles, but also within those titles are roles from you know, professor to research to department uh, head, you know, the, uh, to director, you know, you work with industry, you work inside universities. So I'm sure you have to be pretty flexible in all the different roles that relate to problem solving. So maybe you could tell me a bit just how you, how you think about the different ways in which you engage with problem solving uh, as it relates to your, your universe. Okay, so, um, you know, and, and I think it's interesting how you put it, and, I, and I've not necessarily thought about it that way. But yeah, there's a way that I would solve a problem, you know, versus when I'm meeting with students, when I'm meeting with industry people, and then, you know, then then I play a different role. But let me start with my basic method. And, you know, I, I, I have learned this now, basically, because uh, I'm you're constantly inundated with emails and you know other things that get on your desk I mean you know I'm, I know I'm definitely dating myself but it used to be uh, phone calls you know it used to be phone calls and people coming into your office and things like that uh, but so when I really want to um, to think to actually be able to come up with something that is productive um, I literally book an hour at the beginning of my day I put a timer on so uh, I turn off, you know, I don't have my my email going or anything else like that. And literally, I will have a little note thing that if while I'm thinking and I come up with some idea, I, I have permission to just write that note on the side. But it's amazing. Um, you can do a lot of work one in one hour, just pure thinking. And I also subscribe to that philosophy that, that of incrementalism. You, you do a little bit every day. You can do a lot, uh, you know, in in the long term, as opposed to you know a lot of time spent in well, we're just gonna we plan to do it. It's really nice when you put that in your calendar and you block off the time. Mm -hmm. So to me, uh, one of the tricks that I use, uh, and I'm and I'm religious about the timer that if I that timer goes off, I can I have to stop working, you know, and and uh, you know there are times when you look at the timer, I can't believe you know I uh, it's it's not yet done or whatever, <laughs> but I find that and and it's it's a literal game that you're playing with yourself, but um, the first one or two times it might seem strange, but after a while your brain knows I need to solve this problem, I got to figure this out, so you really put all your resources into just the issue at hand. So that's my personal uh, method of problem solving. Now, when you're talking about other instances, you know, when I'm talking to students um, or when I'm talking to industry, uh, there my goal is slightly different. My job at that point is more to try and ask questions that get them to actually tell me what they think the problem is. 
And I'm sure you've reached those kinds of situations where in the process of their telling, they start to create greater understanding. And, you know, I'm just asking questions. And, and I think uh, a hint or a suggestion I'd say is, is that try not to come up with a solution right away. Um, because you just keep asking, uh, even if you think there's the answer is obvious, uh, you know, it just goes back to teaching, right? It is so much better when they figure it out for themselves and anything you say, especially if they think it's their own idea. So, um, you know, I, I do this with students. I mean, I, I don't necessarily do this with industry people, but, you know, um, there's something about eliciting the kind of, you know, getting them to think about it from a different perspective. Because so many times, and when they try and explain it to me, and then you ask more questions, um, they themselves start to say, oh, wait a second, no, no, that's not what I mean. I'm talking about this or, okay, but but you're not thinking about this. And then I say, well, you know, well, tell me more. What do you mean that I'm not thinking? What am I missing? And 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 that usually works. I, I um, you know, I uh, I don't know if that 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 makes sense to you, but that to me are the the two big roles. One where I, I talk about individual, but the other one is you know where you're really trying to get them to come up with their own answer. Um, the third role could be where you know a large group, and in this case, um, at that point, I am, you know, especially when it's brainstorming, I am more preventing someone from dominating the conversation or coming to a solution right away without thinking about other stuff. And usually the people who dominate tend to be, you know, um, very, very smart or, or very quick to solutions and they might not necessarily have the best solution. And there have been times where I really have to rein in. And, and this is usually industry people because they'll just tell you their perspective and they're used to running the company and, you know, and you 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 know other people have ideas. And so then I play a different role in there is where I, I've got to say, but wait a sec, you know, there could be other perspectives. We're missing, you know, we don't want to come quickly to the solution. And so one of the things that I struggle with at that point, and, and you know, that takes experience and, and you're, I'm, you're sure you're much, much better than that than, than, than I am. But the idea of not coming quickly to a solution because one person thinks that way and you've got, you know, 20 other people who are just sort of cowed by the situation, you know? Um, so those are sort of my three um, perspectives. I know I took quite a bit to sort of explain one oh, question. Those, that's great. There's nuggets out of each of them. And I'll I'll just react to the individual work because uh, I, I I think the, the lesson from you um, is, a lot of people need to hear, which is is really the focus time. Allow your brain to focus. You know, a lot of people say, I don't have time to do that. But then, of course, you don't have time not to because it's it's a much better way to actually solve the problems, which, of course, is is the goal. So just a, a quick, you know, a, a, I'll say approval of, of your approach of blocking off and focusing I want to come back to the student engagement in a, in a second. But let me just let me just get a little more on that large group. And I, I thought I thought the way you put it was really interesting because most of the time when people talk about leading a large group through that, they focus on trying to manage or facilitate the group forward. But the way you described it, I would articulate as removing the impediments to the team moving forward. So 
stopping one person from dominating, getting to a conclusion too fast, and then you just let the team move forward. And that's a, sort of a different vibe than most people would describe it. And is, is that intentional? Is that just your experience or your style? I, I think it's a really intriguing perspective. I, I guess it's it's more my style. I mean, you know, when I teach a class, and uh, so when I'm just talking about university students uh, or, or graduate students, there's always one or two students who just quickly blurt out the answer. And and you know what? That's that's great for that one student, but I've got another 30 students who've got to learn and 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 you know, they're going to just turn off and 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 invariably uh, the super smart answer is not necessarily the right answer, you know. Mm-hmm. Um I, I mean, there there are obviously times when, when they are correct, but when I teach, I I am unfortunately I need to feel that everybody's engaged and so I really try to get everyone to participate and commit mm-hmm. and the only way a person can you know is willing to participate and commit is when they think that their insight is of value you know and so i will you know and i have also in in meetings uh, said that okay you know um i need to hear from somebody else and if you don't raise your hand to say something i'm going to be coming to you regardless yep. so you're better off coming now and you know what it frees up a lot of people because mm-hmm. you know everyone is always scared of saying something. Is it going to be the right answer? The other thing with that is, is that there's no such thing as a dumb answer. I mean, and I keep telling people that people don't believe it unless they see you not, you know, react, right? You write every answer down. You don't, you know, and and you try and well, tell me a little bit more. What are you thinking about this? And how does that fit? So that they feel that they can bring their view out. And this is really important when you're doing case analysis and these kinds of things, right? Because everyone's looked at the case, but right, where is the answer? And, and it's if it's complicated enough, there's no one solution. Right. It all depends on this thing. And I think, you know, in real life world problem solving, it's not like you have to come up with the most optimum solution because it depends on so many other factors you're much better off with a solution that is mostly correct. You know, I'm not talking about life-threatening kind of stuff, but clearly you're way better off than that than spending another month getting the most optimum perfect solution Then the environment has changed, you know? Right, right. I'm always much more of that. And and I, you know, I have many times um, sort of had gone against people who who are just so dominating uh, basically because, you know, um, I find that you can get good ideas from people who are just not necessarily the executive, you know, and, and I'm so much about because, um, you know, I mean, and you're a lean master. So you know how important it is to get the people who are actually doing the work to get their feedback and not just the supervisor or the person in charge. And so in, when I'm in that kind of a brainstorming situation, I need to feel that everyone is participating and everyone needs to feel that their voice will get heard, which will then get some of those thoughts that are a little bit out of the box mm-hmm. because they're not, you know, just the way that group think, you yep. know, yep. Uh, and that's something. So that's just my method of having done this for a few years. It just, I'm just more comfortable that way. Yeah, that's great. So let's go back to the student, uh, uh, the student engagement. Um, you kind of, talked about a lot about uh, sort of asking a lot of questions, allowing them to own it. You know, there's a whole section in my book on coaching, which a lot of it is by definition, the other person owns it, right? And right. 
And so we're there to help them. Um, as you just said, there, you know, there, there probably isn't a right answer, right? There's there's some wrong answers. I always like to say there are some wrong answers, right? There, but there's probably a bunch of good answers and no right answer. But you're asking questions, they own the answer, they have to have to see it through. Now, I do a lot of student mentoring and um you know, I, I like to say for anybody that's worried about the future of humanity, work with work with students. You'll you'll get hope because <laughs> um, yeah. there's a lot of really engaged, uh, really curious, really hardworking and interesting uh, people uh, in that in that age age group. But so as you're as you're asking questions and engaging, mentoring, coaching students, I, I would be curious has has your approach to that changed? And has it changed because the students have changed or has it changed because you've learned and, and uh, modified your style? So um, students have changed, um, no doubt. So I started teaching in 2001. Actually, in, when I was in, a, in the PhD program, I, I taught classes. But really, um, you know, I became a, an assistant professor in 2001. So I was responsible for the whole teaching. And, and, I, and I really... Uh, you know, my sort of theory is, is that we have gotten so caught up in, in the phone in being customized content, you know, everything is just tailored for you. And so when you're in a large classroom, it's not tailored for you. It's tailored for the entire class. So I've had to change my approaches. I, um, you know, years ago, I, I had the PowerPoint slides. I mean, I still have PowerPoint slides, but um, you know, now I have an activity, you know, I have 10 minutes, 15 minutes, and then I stop to try and get you to do something, you know. Um, so I think students have changed a lot. Um, you know, uh, again, you, you have to really work a little bit harder to show why it's of value to them, uh, because they're in a world where everything is tailored, is customized in some fashion, just their likes you know i mean uh you know netflix has taught us this right you end up with shows only you're gonna watch because they're just so good versus you know going to theaters and just going oh my god i can't believe i wasted time right you know mm -hmm. so because you get such customized tailored content you think everything in the world is like that but that's not necessarily true you know so i think that um i've had to change some of my techniques uh more to get them to feel that you know get them engaged and and get them to think how is this going to help them you know and you know we tend to be so short-term thinking well is it going to let me okay uh, it's going to get me an a in this class but is that going to get me a job is that going to get me this oh well this isn't related to accounting so why do i need to pay attention you know so um but they don't realize that actually the world is not so clean you know this is clearly accounting and this is clearly supply chain you know there's a lot of overlap and you need to be able to take skills from this to that you know and transfer those things and the better able you are to deal with multiple you know paradigms the better you're able to respond when things don't happen the way you expect it to and those are the students that are really you know succeeding i mean because there is just a lot of um, unpredictability, you know, and the, there's natural turbulence that goes on. It's the companies who are capable of responding uh, that end up succeeding and not the companies who've got a super efficient method and then the things all change, you know. So 
going back to your idea, I've, I've made quite a bit of changes. You know, I, I now put time in for classes for students to do problems on their own because what I, I mean, in front of me, basically because, um, you know, when I went to school, you did all that work at home, you know? And so, yes, the 30%, the top students in my class will do that work at home, but at least 70% who don't, you know? So I, I literally make you sit there and, and you work on problems together, you know? So we've changed. And so it's natural for us to, you know, we ourselves, when, when we're dealing with our students, have to change. Yeah, and that's, that, I think that's a really important lesson. While, while this generation does not have a monopoly on short-term thinking, um, <laughs> it's, uh, you know, it, the, the fact is, as you get have young professionals coming up in your organization, they, they might think differently. And there's good and bad to that. You can complain about it all you want, but in the end, if you want to be effective, you might need to adjust, especially if you're a coach and you're, you know, worried about them. So I think that's, important for people to recognize just from being a realist um, as they go forward. So, Sure. Well, I appreciate you sharing your thoughts. This was great. I think we uh, people, listeners can take away all sorts of nuggets. Um, uh, we covered, you know, uh, generational changes. We've covered group dynamics. We've covered personal discipline. So we've covered a lot of territory in a short period of time. So Zach, I really appreciate you sharing your your thoughts, your experiences, and practices with us all. Great. Thank you so much, Jamie. I really appreciate the opportunity to come and uh, speak to you. I appreciate it. Thank you. Wonderful. Be well. Thanks for listening to the People Solve Problems podcast. Let's keep the conversation going. Visit jflinch.com for more episodes and other content. And continue to join us on your podcast app, of course. We greatly appreciate your feedback through reviews and ratings. Consider expanding your understanding of problem solving with Jamie's book, People Solve Problems, The Power of Every Person, Every Day, Every Problem. Available on Amazon. Until next time, keep learning, innovating, and solving problems.